listener, friend, hello. You're joining multiple voices today. This is a very atypical episode because it's our holiday special. Quick backstory. The first podcast I ever fully owned and operated myself. In other words, I didn't build it for an employer. I was building it for me and trying to take big, big swings in doing so was a show called Unthinkable. The show is still live. I have designs to bring it back in 2021 through a membership group to help fund it. More on that in a future episode of Three Clips. So Unthinkable was this, it's really ambitious narrative style episodes. And I had worked with a mentor of mine to help scope it and find good story leads and get connected to these people. I would interview them and then I would do pretty much every single piece alone. I had bits and pieces where I would work at a studio with a producer and I worked with it with a great editor at one point, but the vast majority of that show I did alone end to end. And it was a weekly narrative style show and I burnt out hard. So I pledged never again to do that at the start of a new show. So at the beginning of 2020, I once again embarked on a journey to create a new show. You're listening to it, three clips. Thank you so much, by the way. And I burnt out hard. So the moral of the story is you are your wor- the world's worst boss. I just feel like if you are a creative person, the voice in your head is rarely that voice you'd want to work for if it belonged to somebody else. So I made a leap that I didn't normally make in past projects, which was to give up parts and pieces of this fine show. And this fine show has gotten so much better as a result. I hired two freelance producers Sheree Turner. Say hello, Sheree. Hello. I thought you were going to say hello, Sheree. That's okay. Uh, hello, Sheree. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone is as cheesy as me. That's all. I've embraced it. I've embraced it. And Andrea Moraskin. Hey, Andrea. Hey. So I started working with Sheree and Andrea. And finally, the show just started to make sense. We kept reworking the outline of the show or what, I, what you call the rundown, this documented strategy of what an episode should be and what the flow should be. We're booking more ambitious guests. We're having way better conversations. Like everything I'm doing is focused on the things that I want to be uniquely good at and not all the parts and pieces because many of those parts and pieces, Sheree and Andrea are uniquely good at. And so today on Three Clips, we wanted to do something special for each other and have you listen in on it. Because we're all podcast nerds and because it's the holiday season, we've all gotten some gifts for each other. But because we all work on Three Clips, those gifts are clips from other shows. So today, we're each bringing each other the gift of clips, the gift of podcasts. We don't know what we're going to play for each other, but we're going to bring out these clips and talk about it. And then um, I'm spoiling this a little bit for you, Sheree and Andrea, but I actually produced a little bonus mini thing for you at the end of this all (laughs) that I'd like to play about the uh, the life of a producer. So that's going to come up in this very atypical holiday episode of Three Clips. I want to know how to do the things you do. Thing, a two, a three that only comes from you. Ah, this is three clips. Welcome to Three Clips. Normally on this show, I am your host, Jay Akunzo, and uh, one of these two fine producers is behind the scenes helping me with the interview and all the parts and pieces before and afterwards. And normally on this show, we have a great podcaster that we admire take us inside the making of their show. Well, what we're doing again is a little bit different. We've all found a clip from a show we each admire, and we're going to gift those clips to each other for you to listen in on to. So before we get into the fun, it is the holiday season. That doesn't change the fact that we still got to pay the bills. So we'll be back 
after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Wistia. If you work with others, you essentially have two jobs when you make anything creative. Do the work while also securing resources to do the work. Inevitably, you have to get buy-in from a boss, a client, a teammate, or 12, some kind of stakeholder. And honestly, that process is kinda really sorta definitely terrible. Luckily, my friends at Wistia put together a resource that can help. It's a collection of research and data that can help you better secure resources to make a show, even if your boss is still skeptical. It ranges from the ROI reported by other brands making shows to the consumption behavior of podcast listeners and video viewers to what the creative techniques inside a show can do for a brand and its ability to grow audience and a lot more. Visit wistia.com and search their learning center for the phrase 37 stats. Wistia is on a mission to make business more human and builds tools to help you find, engage, and grow your audience through video and original series. That's wistia.com. And big thanks to them for their support. And now let's get into the gift giving of clips between me, Cherie, and Andrea. All right, so here's here's kind of how I want to do this. Cherie and Andrea, I want to put you on the spot and have you act like hosts act. So my my challenge is for you to act like a host and raise the stakes for each clip. Because you can't just be like, so I picked a show. It's this show. That show is about this topic. And before this clip plays, you should know X, Y, and Z. Here's the clip. Because remember, people who listen to the show, they love the craft of podcasting. So you have to keep them in mind, right? And so I want you to raise the stakes to set up the clip, then give us the context, then bring us into and out of the clip. You're both getting uh, tryouts to replace me, let's say, because I am tired. Um, <laughs> who wants to go first? We did not plan this out. I'll go first. Go okay, ahead. Andrea. Go ahead. All right, let's go. Okay, so the reason I picked this clip is character now this character that you're going to hear in this clip and actually two characters there's some of those people that you're like is this a movie or is this real life because they're just that rich and um seemingly without pretense without shame not not in a bad way you know living and breathing their authentic self and it's such a delight and I think that, you know, not only was the producer lucky to find these people, but I think that the way that he decided to present the story, you know, is also worth talking about. So we'll talk about that after the clip. Is that is that enough teasing? Jen? <laughs> I'm going to pick out a couple of things. I'm going to pick out the fact that there's something about character and developing character when the person is actually real, because most of us aren't doing audio fiction. Um, so, but you still have to develop characters in a way. So that's interesting. I want to learn how to do that better. And then the second thing was something about the producer sort of finding and, and fleshing this out. So this is from Radio Diaries, which is a podcast that goes back to before podcasting. It was on public radio. This clip is actually from 2002. Although it was uh, put out as a podcast in 2014, just, you know, if you're looking for it, it's there. It's called Walter the Seltzer Man. Have you seen those Marx Brothers movies where there's like the bottle of seltzer with the 
spout on top, the uh, little valve, and it like squirts in somebody's face. You know what I'm yes. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There, there, there's no label on it, and they're kind of like tall, vertical, clear bottles. Yeah, that's what uh, Walter delivers in this clip. He's on his route. There are these bottles that are recycled over and over. He collects them. Um, Wait, is this guy? Uh, is this guy in New York? Uh huh. I think I've heard of this guy. Okay, I'm super intrigued now. It is kind of a famous piece. And in this clip, he's arriving at the Bronx apartment of Mrs. Blitz. She was a customer of his father, who was a seltzer man. And her parents were customers of his grandparents, you know, of his grandfather, who was also a seltzer man. So this is Walter the Seltzer Man and Mrs. Blitz. Oh, don't you look beautiful. You got all dressed up for me? Come in. I have a defective bottle here. When Walter comes in the door on Saturday, we we just go back over the years. I mean, the seltzer is great, but it's Walter. That's the thing about his product. He's the product. It's not the seltzer, it's Walter. He talks about retiring, I get sick. While we're on the subject, would you like a glass of seltzer? Walter, would you like yeah, some seltzer? Yeah, why not? I could make you a... With chocolate and milk. What's sad now is the seltzer that's being sold in the supermarket doesn't come close. It doesn't have the taste. It's nothing. When you open the top, it fizzes a little the first time, and then it dies a horrible death. It's awful. We got the real thing, baby. That's right. Drink some more. How many years have you actually lived in this apartment? 52 years. Wow. And my father was living with you, so in the late 40s. It was great. Everybody had different men in their lives. You had the, the seltzer man, you had the milkman. These were the people in your life. It's a different world today. And Tempest is fugitive, which means time is passing. Well, you knew good. that. Latin, babe. Of course it does. You knew that. Time flies. It's funny, like... Uh, you know, I remember coming here as a kid. I might have been 10 years old, and now I'm almost 50, and I'm still doing it. You're not just the seltzer man. You're too bright. When you told me you were leaving law school to work with Al, I was devastated. Well, that's, a, that's the road not so taken. I have so much regard for lawyers. I mean, I, I'd rather take an honest seltzer man any day of the week, but the future for the honest seltzer man is what? Is what? I guess you're right. Seltzer is just a, an acronistic profession. So I think you're beautiful. Oh, God bless you, baby. You're looking pretty good yourself. <laughs> Took me hours to get to look like this. First of all, we should say, thank you for the lovely holiday gift. I enjoyed thank that you. clip. Thank you. Oh, you're very uh, welcome. Why, I'm curious how you came at such a thoughtful gift for me and Cherie. You know, Walter captured my heart a long time ago. And when we decided to choose a clip that brought us pure delight, even though it's bittersweet because, you know, Mrs. Blitz says the future, the future for the honest seltzer man is what? <laughs> but um, I, it just brings me joy that he's so cheerful and he sees his, his role as more than it's just this little slice of life that's so delightful. And like, I love the way she speaks. I love the way he speaks. 
I'm also like my parents are from Brooklyn and Queens and my grandparents are from New York. So it's sort of like a, a familiar milieu to me, even though I, I never heard of a seltzer man before this. Jay, I'm actually curious for you as a host and as an interviewer on an interview show, how do you feel and as a narrator, because you you do that too when we when we record, how do you feel about this? non-narrated non-hosted format i mean i think of i think there's two ways i could answer that like one is like i as a a host and an interviewer and a storyteller i i could feel threatened by that i feel like it's magic because it's hard like um i i tweeted out the other day that an interview podcast is the easiest podcast to start and the hardest podcast to do really well so as a result you have more interview style podcasts than most podcasts and most of them are really really bad because most people see the ones that are really, really good. They look natural. And then they're like, oh, that's not that hard to start. So I can be that good pretty easily. And it's just not how it works. And it's super hard. And someone asked me, so why is it so hard? And there's a million little reasons. But the one big one, I think, as someone who is building my own business, who likes to have creative control over my projects, you're the least in control. Versus like a narrative style show, you can do a lot in post, a monologue, co-hosted. There's a lot of prep work you do up front before you hit record with your co-host. You're turning over your entire show to the guest pretty heavily each episode. And you have no exact knowledge of what they'll say, even if you're a great interviewer. So you're the least in control. So this is a step even further in that direction Mm -hmm. where it's like if they don't say the thing the way the listener needs to hear it, to tell that story or to make a detail clear. I can't jump in and be like, by the way, so-and-so is the president of that company and we're back in. So I think it's magic because I think it's so hard. Uh, Cherie, what did you notice from that piece? Well, the one thing that comes to mind, and because I was so wrapped up in it, I don't know how they did it, but they really seem to capture a sense of space which I think can be challenging when, obviously, when you're just using voices, when you don't have anybody describing what this woman's house looks like. But I just, I don't know if it's maybe their accents or that I, like, I've lived in New York, so I can kind of dream up something in my head about what this whole situation is. But I really felt like I was in that space with them. I think the sound effects are helpful, like the opening up the seltzer, pouring, not the sound effects, the um, ambient sound. Right. Yeah. And I was wondering if it was like, yeah, somehow it sounds like they're in a room together, but I'm not sure why. So, yeah, that that definitely struck me. And I was really just sort of wrapped up in the moment because it it just is it was very lovely. That's a nice way. Just like the slice of life. Yeah. And you just kind of want to sit in on their conversation. But that's the beauty of really good work is because it does sound like something you want to just sit down and listen to. And if you've ever hung out and just like listened in on conversations, a lot of times they're just really not that interesting (laughs) in real life. Right. So we know that there was work put in, but we can't hear it. So well, that's that's like anything that involves heavy editing, which should be everything. I think uh, everything is in some ways edited, and sometimes it's planned up front, and so you're kind of editing what you think the flow should be to your interview. Oftentimes, it's edited on the back end, which I think is every style show should receive some editing, some more than others. Um, like I, I, I'm thinking about how not fluid 
production feels in the moment and how fluid the final episode needs to feel. And like, you know, I think about this documentary series I shot last year before the pandemic where we were out in the field and we would like sit down with a subject, then go for a walk with the subject. Then we'd have like a group chat around a table. Then we'd have some B-roll. Then we'd have like some B-roll with the guest or the subject. Then we'd have some moments of me as the host and, and sort of storyteller of the show speaking to camera. We'd have all these little moments. And, and I don't think until you do projects like that, you realize how staccato it feels. So it's really broken apart and the magic is in the stitching together. And I'm just so fascinated by this moment and this type of episode in general, uh, Andrea, because I'm like, I wonder how many chunks they had to get or take to make it feel like it's one coherent experience. Well, I was thinking I the same thing to that, yeah. but I do know that in the beginning of the original segment, you hear Walter say it's 630 in the morning. And then at the very end, he says it's 630 at night. <laughs> So presumably there was uh, 12 hours of maybe on and off recording. Wow. It's manipulative, right? Because you don't actually know. It could have it been multiple days and they wanted to paint it as, as a single day. It's so crazy. Can I just chime in and say one other thing that I really like about that clip, Andrea? Yeah, totally. So one of the things that I was particularly taken with at, as we were listening is that this really highlights the fact that you can make a good story out of just about anything. Because if you were to say to me, you have to make an interesting story about a guy who delivers seltzer water, that sounds like a hard ask. And yet, there we are. And I just I, I just absolutely love that. It's a little overwhelming because you just think, oh my gosh, the like the number of stories out there that need to be told are so many, uh, but it's also just so much opportunity. And it gives you, when you have that, like that to work with too, it, I don't know, it gives you a lot of sort of freedom in a way because it's like, oh, how do I make it interesting to talk about a guy who delivers water with bubbles in it? Like it sounds so not that exciting. Uh, so I thought that that was a really beautiful aspect of that, that it's just this absolutely beautiful story about kind of about not much, but a lot. So anyways. Well, I, I love that point, Sheree, because like telling a story about a guy who delivers water with bubbles in it, to, to describe it that way is to remove the tension of it, right? <laughs> right. But you're not, but you're not really like a story is nothing if not a vehicle to create and then relieve tension. That's all right. a story is. That's what right. a joke is. That's what, you know, any, any gripping thing, that's what you're doing. You're creating tension and then relieving it. And most things that suck created content that sucks. It has no tension. People, people like skirt over it quickly or omit it entirely. I, I think to describe it the way you did, of course, <laughs> but the three of us wouldn't describe it that way. We would describe right. it as, this person who's doing in his terms an anachronistic job um this person who is being challenged by somebody else he loves you know the future for the honest seltzer man is what the is what part is everything there right like that's what story is it's being this arms dealer for tension trading in it living in it you know understanding the currency of it and using it so what I find so funny about storytelling is people think you need that tension to be super, super obvious and super yes. like societally shaking grand. And, and you don't. You just need it to be. Mm -hmm.
Uh, Sheree, you, you, you also brought us a clip. So same challenge to you. Raise the stakes. Speaking of tension, why, why should people care about the things we're going to talk about about this clip? And then what do we need to know about the clip before we play it? Okay. Uh, raising the stakes. So I love this piece. It was done in April of this year. And it's part of a short series of episodes that the podcast The Illusionist did. And the whole thrust of this series is to be relaxing. And let's think back to earlier this year. This is when we are in the like the first month or two of coronavirus. People are absolutely freaking out. There's a bazillion podcasts trying to grope with coronavirus. And I personally had been kind of burnt out. Um, people talking about it, people sharing their stories, all the news. Sure, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. you said grope with coronavirus. Did you mean to say oh, cope, cope with w- or grapple with? People are trying to cope with coronavirus. I Did I say grope? I grope. <laughs> Do you want to say that over? That's why there's such a bad spread. <laughs> People were groping each other with coronavirus. Just groping with coronavirus. (laughs) Everybody was trying to cope with coronavirus. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Can can we just make sure this this little this little nugget this little section gets in somewhere? Maybe it's a bonus after the end of the credits or something. That was Cherie saying. That was great. Okay. Grope coronavirus. Uh, So the illusionist came out with this series, and. I felt like they just nailed it. So I'm going to cue it up with that. And I also think that that does raise the stakes because so many people were were trying to do something that was going to either be helpful or calming or help us relate to each other. And most of everything else I listened to at that time was feeling overwhelming. So great setup. All right, let's hear the clip. This is the Tranquillusionist, in which I, Helen Zaltzman, for the purposes of quelling anxiety and stress and sleeplessness, read the lyrics to Imagine by John Lennon, with the words arranged in reverse alphabetical order. Yule, Yule, you, 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 you. World, 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 wonder will, will us, 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 us try to today, to, to. There's, there's the, 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 some, some sky. Sharing, say, say, religion, possessions. People, 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 peace, or, or, only, only, only one, one. Okay, I think we get the point. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to add here that, of course, you would not know this going in unless you read show notes, which a shout out to everybody out there. Make good show notes, because if you do, people will come and read them. So Helen Zaltzman is the host of the show, and obviously she can do something like this. First and foremost, she has a gorgeous voice. Um, Mm -hmm. 
which is already quite soothing. But this was, she does all original music on her show by Martin Ostwick. And it's, this particular piece was based on the chords of Imagine in alphabetical order. So there's that little bit thrown Whoa. in. Um, yeah, that it's like it's a little hidden Easter egg. You don't notice it until you notice it. Exactly. And if you go back and listen to it now, you will pick up on that. So I felt like this was brilliant for so many reasons. Okay, this is a show about language. Here, we aren't learning anything. The language itself, she's saying words, but they're not telling they're not serving the purpose they normally serve however they're communicating something that is familiar enough that is very calming she's using sound and language in this really beautiful way and one thing i think about one of the reasons i think this is so brilliant is that there are ways that you could try something like this and it would be terrible so in as much as it sounds so beautiful and it's like it's kind of wacky, you could see something like this going completely sideways and it doesn't. And it really served, at least for me, it served the purpose of just being so beautiful. You don't wrap your head around any of the words. You're not trying to follow anything at all. And it's just this like soothing balm. And I also feel like it's a nice gift because I think it is really calming, even if you're not in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> mm. well, and the uh, name of the show again is? It's The Illusionist. Awesome. With an A. And an illusionist. With an A. With an A, yes. Got it. So Adventures in Language with Helen Zaltzman. Zaltzman. The mm -hmm. Illusionist with an A. I love the play on words there. I think about form a lot. And I think mm. about the point in your creative career at which you think about form a lot. Like when you first start anything, like let's say you're starting to learn how to make a podcast, you're really not thinking much about form. I'd argue we should think more about it. But I, I think you mostly think about really tactical production and getting it out the door. And then you think about the story, the interview subject, and your own performance therein. And eventually it's like you become, and I think we all get to this point when we do anything often enough, you become like Neo from the Matrix when he can see the code of the Matrix. You're like, oh, there's all these like little parts and pieces that make up the whole. And if I can see them, I can control them. I can play with them. I can mess with them. Like I think about being a public speaker. Back when I was doing that on the road a lot pre-pandemic, I got to the point where I was like, I, I know my talk. It's like being a comic. You know your act. You know the bits. It's internalized to such a degree that you're not thinking about what to say next. So you can just like play in the moment. You know, you can lean into a laugh and get it to roll with follow-up tags. Or you can do things that feel like it subverts the medium a little bit. Um, you know, like I think about Ian Chillog's uh, oh. Everything is Alive, yeah. where he kind of like, you know, Ian, come on three clips. Um, we're, we're like, we're trying... <laughs> He, he's he's subverting the public radio medium a little bit in a loving way. Or Richard's famous food podcast does this really well. We had Richard Parks on the show um, before the three of us worked together. Like you start to play with sound in this case. Like the illusionist is is just is thinking about the form of what what is a podcast really? Well, it's just this collection of all these little bits of code, and let's rearrange them and play with them. And and it's I think you get to a certain point in a creative craft where that becomes more fun for you than just doing the straight ahead 
uh, repeat episode you've done a million times before. Did any of that make sense to you guys? Well, yes. And I will say that the that the only way you can get away with doing stuff like that is if you've done the other well for a while. Yeah. I would imagine that most anybody could not come out of the gate with an episode like that. Right. right. That's nobody's right. first episode out of the gate. You also need an audience who trusts you to listen well, to imagine time. in that way. <laughs> yeah. That's earned over time. Oh, you said imagine. I get it. <laughs> imagine I that. Get it. <laughs> Andrea? I, you know, um, did you get a gift receipt? Because I didn't really like it. <laughs> I don't regularly listen to The Illusionist. I, I have listened to it, and it is usually like a show about the story behind words. Yes. But um, what... I don't know if it was supposed to be like meditative, but the idea of, of it going backwards, it just didn't light a fire within me. But I definitely appreciate what you guys are saying about having to have an audience that trusts you and to be able to experiment with things like that. And some people will like it and some people won't. I think, you know what, Andrea, it's I appreciate the honesty. First of all, let's all be more honest with gifts. Like, thank you for thinking of me. But I don't want But you missed the mark here, mom and dad. <laughs> um, I think your honesty there, Andrea, is making me think about why I appreciated it more deeply, which is that I think sometimes like I'm just, I don't know, this is going to sound like, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to sound humble here. I've just been on the microphone so much, especially over the last year when I'm not on stages, that I get like bored with the basics and I want to play. And some, so that's why sometimes you hear me play with like voiceover. And you hear me get a little weird. And it's almost like I just I could sense that from Helen. It's like Helen's probably just done this so much. She's like, let's just try this because screw it. Why not? And I, I, I appreciated that thrust. Well, and it's oh, like at first I was just like, oh, darn, Andrew doesn't like it. And part of me is just like, well, good. You know, because it's like, well, it's something unusual. And yeah. so, yeah. And, and that's honestly, I love things that are very offbeat, that are strange, that are... Yeah, not straight ahead because I think so straight ahead all the time. And that is my mode. So I really appreciate someone who isn't doing that and and who I feel like is doing something kind of offbeat or odd or backwards yeah. or however you want to say it. Right. So. Well, and that's speaking of the weird and the remixing and the reinventing. I mean, that's why it's been such a breath of fresh air to work with both of you this year because although we haven't figured out the exact down the middle type of episode yet, we're still getting better every time. We're getting closer every time. We're really not that far away from starting to play and starting to reinvent. And like, like in our Trello board, we have that card, which I love and hold dear ideas to reinvent the show. And it's just like, every time I see an idea pop up there or on our calls, it's like, really what I'm thinking about is what are the weird things that we're not doing? Here, here's my here's my gift to you both and appropriately i'm going last the reason i wanted to bring up this clip it's from my favorite show of all time the show that inspires me continually the show that brought me into the world of podcasting because i was just like jaw on the floor how do you do that i'd like to try it someday kind of feeling especially with the early stuff was is radio lab yeah um and this is an episode from 2007 about memory and forgetting 
and sort of how memory works in the brain, but also they do the traditional old school radio lab thing, lots of sound design, lots of music, and lots of like like a vignette here and there of different stories in addition to talking to the scientists. It, this takes a fair bit of setup. But the reason I wanted to bring this, even despite the fact that I have to really set it up for you all, is I think we all struggle to end strong. It's really difficult to give people that final oomph, that that exit velocity. And typically we just drop people off a cliff. Maybe it's the closing credits that does that. Maybe we just don't know where to end. Maybe we're like, uh, okay, well, thanks so much. This is great. Where can they find you on social media? Oh, oh, people still need to be told how to find someone else on social media. Yeah, tell tell us now. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Andrea. Bye. It's like, we don't know how to end. This is one of my all-time favorite endings. And I'd use the phrase to describe it. Soft with significance. That's the raise the stakes part. Let me tee up the context you need. This is the final story in the episode about memory and forgetting, where they're telling the story of Clive Waring, who is a talented musician and musicologist. He studied music. He was a conductor. And in March of 1985, he suddenly became ill. He started to get bad headaches. Doctors couldn't figure it out. They thought it was the flu. On day five of this, he suddenly couldn't remember a thing. He didn't know his family's names. He didn't know his address. And at least until the point where the story was produced in 07, he had the most severe amnesia ever documented. So essentially every moment in the day, he thought he was just waking up. Ugh. Yeah. And the hospital he stayed at, or he was treated at, St. Mary's, um, they tried to help him. They gave him a journal. And they wrote at the top, you're in St. Mary's Hospital. And Clive would start to document things in that journal too. So he would write things like 1006, awake for first time. But then he'd write 1007, awake, truly awake for the first time, ignore last entry. So the diary just became line after line of him continually waking up for the first time that day. So Clive is now 82. He has suffered with amnesia for about 35 years. My entire life, this man has lived my life not remembering anything. Not, Not remembering important details what came before this moment in time. He's a man stuck out of time. And with every blink that passes, he reawakens and then he worries. And maybe if he can remember her name, calls his wife. Now, the thing is, he forgets everything except her person. He might even forget her name, but he knows he has a wife. He has this idea of her. He remembers the warmth of her love and in her embrace, which Radiolab does such a good job of bringing out. So one day, this woman he's married to, they go to church. And his wife starts to sing, sitting next to Clive. And Clive starts to sing with a full voice and the exact right lyrics for the hymn. And so the wife thinks, what else could we do? And he, they, they bring the choir that he used to conduct into his hospital's chapel. And the instant they start to sing, he starts to conduct them as if nothing had changed in his life. The moment they stop, he has no memory of the event. And the clip I'm going to play for you now is what happens in the moments following him conducting magically that choir once again. Here's what you hear from Clive and his wife. And it happened just as I'd hoped. His singers were flabbergasted. There was their old conductor bringing them in completely and utterly himself. And almost the instant it was over, it was over. He had no memory of what he'd just done. In fact, later on, she showed him a tape of that very performance. What would you say if I told you you conducted the Lassos Ensemble last week? (laughs) (laughs) 
Hilarious. I thought you'd say that. That sounds hysterical. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to prove it to you? Hello, Mr. Hilarious. Hello, Mr. Hilarious. Hello, Mr. Hilarious. On the screen, right in front of him, there he is, on the pedestal, baton in hand, and he's conducting. He is fully in the music, fully himself. So music, in a way, becomes this Proustian rope from heaven, which will recall him to himself. And no one really knows why. I remember that now. <laughs> what music does that makes this possible, not just in Clyde, but in many others, Maybe it's something about music itself, that it's so richly organized, that every time you're in a song, you can feel what has been and what's about to be. Maybe Clive was just carried along in the architecture of music. But when the music stops, he falls out of time. Music gives him a piece of time in which to exist. Out of time, out of memory, out of himself, there's two things left. There's love, and there's the joy of music. Everything else is gone, but for some reason, those stay. I mean, <laughs> every time I get chills. And the thing, I, the thing I really admire, yes, it's a great story in and of itself, yes, it's a great way to end, but it's how specifically Robert Krolwich there ends. He doesn't shout at you. Yeah. He doesn't have to feel amped up and, and, and super high energy for you to feel inspired. He's not Tony Robbins from a stage shouting at you. He's not Obama fired up, ready to go. It's soft, but significant. And I, I love endings like that. It's really hard for me to create those because I'm so animated and 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 do like to get amped up and so you know kind of like with andrea's clip i'm like there's so much magic in there because for me it feels a little more unattainable than if he did shout at us or hand us this paragraph of explanation you know that's all he said you know for some reason those two remain and then it drifts off it's interesting um you know radio and podcasting have this quality of intimacy when i was trained I learned that radio there was no podcasting to speak of back then 10 years ago that um radio is one person talking to one person um and I think you know with podcasting it's different and it's cool because you are talking to like your your tribe your constituency your listeners like Jay Bear calls them the clappers or the people who listen to his show uh, standing ovation about public speaking and you can address people as a plural, but there is that little bit of intimacy that is lost, that is there when you're just, say, in your car and just turn on the radio and it's just, it's just you and Robert. When, when Robert, who has since retired, but in the episode where he was retiring from Radiolab to move on to other projects, um, he talked about one reason he loves voice and podcasting and radio is... When there's two people discussing something and it's their inflow, it kind of feels like you, the listener, are sitting by a warm fire. And I loved that. There's the intimacy or deep connection. And I also think whether it's a podcast, a newsletter I think about, a YouTube video, it is being received by one person. And yet what do we do? Like the classic way of opening a YouTube video. Hey guys, 
hey all, I think that the the goal of these projects is to make somebody feel like an important individual inside a group like them. So you want to address the individual, hey listener, not hey listeners, not hey all. Right, right. Because whoever's listening to this, probably 99.9%, they're listening alone. And you know, if you're on a stage, you're doing a virtual event and someone can see their peers, sure, address the group. But I think the key is when you address a person or the way you speak, speak as if to one person or write as if to one person, but also later inside of the experience, acknowledge we're a part of something larger. Make them feel like there's a collective here, there's a movement, there's a journey, and you're part of this. But at no point are you speaking to everybody. You're speaking to one person and making them feel like, hey, you are an important individual as a part of the collective whole. Cherie, any well, thoughts? Yeah, well, one of the things that, and you've talked about this before, Jay, but is the art of matching the tone or setting the tone of of what you want the person to feel with your narration, which can be tough. Like you really have to be practiced at it. And that's one of the things, obviously, that Robert Kolich does so well is that he wants to set a very specific mood there. And it is a really somber thing. Like, you know, I heard your description of this clip and it just makes your heart sink. And it's also really uncomfortable just to think about somebody who has no memory. And then there is just this beauty of the situation. And I just think he does it so perfectly. Yeah. And and that's that's hard to do, to know how to come in as a host, because he's recording that in some studio far removed from this story and these people. And he's got to get in that space and bring you in there with him. So that speaks volumes to his experience and his ability to do what he wants with his voice to get you where he wants you to be. It is a performance. I mean, there's a degree of acting here. You have to modulate your voice to match the tone of your guest. If you're doing it live, you're talking to somebody and they're giving you a somber moment um, or they're happy or whatever, or afterwards in your narration. Like it's a little hidden moment in that clip, but I love when Robert says, and no one really knows Mm. why music has that effect. Cause he kind of like, and no one really knows there's a musicality to his voice and he Mm. brings you down with it. Mm. And he hangs after the word knows and no one really knows pause four words and a pause. It's incredible what he's able to do, right? Your your voice, in a way, when you perform on a podcast or the final ending that Robert does that, you know, I'd sum up as soft but significant. Right. So it's to me that that's where the magic happens. It's in the minutia. And that's that's honestly what Three Clips is all about. It's the magic happens in the minutia. Creativity happens in the micro and the tiny techniques. And we would not be able to, I would not be able to bring out those moments from our guests, from these incredible shows Hell, I wouldn't be talking to some of these people if it wasn't for you two. So Cherie and Andrea, that was my gift to you. That was my gift to hopefully some of our listeners as well, or to, to take my own advice here, to you, the listener, singular. I can't thank you both enough for making the show better and better every time out. And so to that end, I have a special bonus gift that I teased up front. And they're, they're in there. I'm, cha- I'm doing my best reverse Robert here. And I'm trying to get us out of the somberness into something happier here. Reverse I, Robert. I'm yeah. already laughing. I think we should Good. coin that. The reverse Robert. Um, no, but Robert, <laughs> Robert himself as a personality, he can get silly. He can get funny. Like he's got the full range. That guy's oh, the master. No uh, joke. Yeah. So, okay. So as I continue my reverse Robert in that moment, <laughs> I, I put together this, this, 
little thing. Um, based on my life before Sheree and Andrea, based on being my own producer. And also if you are producing anything, whether that's your title and your job, or you have a part of your role, which is to produce pretty much any type of creative project. But I think a podcast in particular, uh, this might hit home. I am calling this Twas the Night Before Launching. And this is based on several true stories. This moment happened to me way too many times. And I think very painfully, you listening can probably relate. And Sheree and Andrea, I'm sure you can relate too. So please enjoy my bonus gift to you all. Twas the night before launching. Here we go. Twas the night before launching and all through my Mac. I was editing my podcast and chatting in Slack. My audio was set all perfectly cut when suddenly I shouted, Oh crap, what the what? GarageBand had crashed, the message told me. Two hours of work gone, maybe even three. Away to their help center, I flew like a flash, recovering files in the event of a crash. The sadness, it hit me, like a face full of snow. You're basically screwed, said the article below. Apple couldn't help me, that much was clear, so I faced the tough choice, keep trying or drink beer. Clenching my jaw, I gave my mouse a flick. I can figure this out. It's fine. I'll be quick. More rapid than Tinder, I flipped through some sites, through forums of people, mostly getting into fights. Screw Apple. This sucks. They never help out. Apple rules. You're a troll, I heard the nerds shout. Like political debate on your Facebook wall. With each angry comment, my spirits did fall. I'd lost my whole file and thought I might cry. How did hours of my work just suddenly die? As I cracked open a beer and was turning around, a voice came to mind with a familiar sound. Save your work often, my dad likes to say. Advice I could have used a bit earlier this day. But out of nowhere, I laughed like a jolly old elf. (laughs) This is all kind of funny, I thought to myself. I'd committed this blunder. It wasn't the tool. I'd forgotten to save, so I felt like a fool. But if I was to blame, then why act like a jerk? So I spoke not a word and went straight back to work. And laying more tracks for my podcast, I knew if this were next time, I'd know just what to do. I'd open a folder with the backup file and just keep on working away with a smile. I'd never again feel this kind of stress while having to dig myself out of this mess. To fellow creators, I have one message to heed, one phrase to remember, one trick to succeed. Please learn from my tale, please remember my name, that you may not falter or suffer the same. The moral of my story? Well, I guess this is it. When doing creative work, back up your shit. And there you have it. Twas the night before launching. Thank you, Cherie. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing the work you do and to all of you out there doing production work. To you, the listener singular, you are an important individual in a collective of people trying to make great work. Keep going. I know you're going to face moments like that. Have a great holiday season and thank you for supporting all three of our hard work on this show. Thank you. Thanks for listening and thank you, Jay. You know... You told me that you were a nerd before, and I have had my doubts because you're into sports, and you, like, wrote a book, and you have, like, neat hair, but but now I believe you. You have, pro- you have proved yourself, my friend. <laughs> happy holidays. Thank you so much, Jay. All right. Happy holidays.
All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening all year long, no matter when you joined us. I hope you'll journey with us in 2021. We have so much planned, so many things planned. Uh, Just the regular type of episodes planned and then some remixes and reinventions, which we're really excited about. As for the episodes coming up, Jay Bear breaks down standing ovation, one of the most creative approaches to understanding public speaking on a podcast. So Jay Bear's episode is coming up. Kinsey Grant from Morning Brew, host of Business Casual. We're going to break down her interview with former Google CEO Eric Schmidt and a whole lot more about running her show over at The Brew. Lizzie Peabody from the Smithsonian podcast Side Door. Unbelievable podcaster, unbelievable podcast. Ashley Hamer and Cody Goff of Discoveries Curiosity Daily. Can't wait for that one and a lot more. Special thanks to Andrea for editing this particular episode. As always, my friends, I am Jay Conzo. I am your host and guide into this crazy craft that we call home, that we adore, that we want to understand better. Continue to support the show. It's so hard to make it, but it's so fun. So thank you so much for that. As always, I believe this work you and I do is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. So thank you so, so much for staying with me and staying with us. And I will see you on the next episode of the show. Happy holidays. I love you. Bye.